to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Educator Essentials, the podcast where we talk with our members about success stories, best practices, and strategies for faculty preceptors and those involved in the education of the pharmacy workforce. My name is Gina Galanuluchin. I'm the director for the sections of pharmacy educators and section of community pharmacy practitioners here at ASHP. And today I will serve as your host. We have the pleasure of having two very special guests on today's podcast, Dr. Majit Chusam Burns, outgoing chair of the section of pharmacy educators and executive vice president and provost for Oregon Health and Science University. And also we have Dr. Neil McKinnon, executive vice president for academic affairs and provost for Augusta University. Thank you for joining us both today. Sure thing. Thank you for having us. This podcast episode is dedicated to exploring your leadership journeys and understanding how you paved your way from practice to leadership within the pharmacy profession and also across interprofessional boundaries. So as we dive into today's discussion, I wanted to start with where it all began for you both professionally. We'll start with Dr. McKinnon. Take us back to your college years and what drew you to pharmacy as a career? Yeah, well, well thanks, uh, Gina, for the question. Let me just uh, say, uh, so just uh, what a treat it is to, to share this podcast with Marie. Uh, we're longtime friends and colleagues. She's a, a gem of the profession. And we'll talk a little bit. Maybe it might be some secrets will be revealed here in this podcast, <laughs> but how our careers overlapped as well. But yeah, when I think of pharmacy, you know, I think some folks in the profession probably felt they had a calling. Maybe it was, you know, a divine voice or something said, you will go into pharmacy. I didn't have anything like that. This will really date my age, but I got into pharmacy right in from high school, if you can believe that or not. And so really just talking with my guidance counselor in high school, just talking with different options. I'm like, sure, that, that sounds okay. And applied and got in. So definitely was something where I'd like to say I was very methodical and, and was very planned and thought out. It really wasn't. And I probably was wondering, you know, what have I got myself into? This was in Canada. You can probably tell from my, my accent. But it really kind of came together, actually, as I was finishing my undergraduate degree in pharmacy. I had a, I was really blessed. I have a cousin who's five years older than me. His name is George McKinnon. And George is the current dean of the pharmacy school in Milwaukee, the Medical College of Wisconsin. He was just completing a residency program at the University of Wisconsin, uh, an ASHP accredited residency, uh, the administrative master's one. And as we were talking, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do pharmacy-wise. He's like, well, you know, I'm just finishing this residency. Why don't you think about this? And so I ended up applying, getting matched, and, and started that, that program. That really kind of changed my pharmacy directory. Really blessed to have two past ACHP presidents as mentors in that David Zills, most of you know is DZ, and Tom Filkey, TT. And, and, I, and I think back, that was really, to me, my formative years in the profession of pharmacy, my practice philosophy, my approach, and just seeing two strongly engaged leaders in the profession as well. So there was a little bit of luck, but there was also a little bit of methodical thinking. Yeah, I like okay. that. Yeah. Combination. <laughs> That's great. Marie, what about you? Yeah, well, thanks for, for the, the question and also thanks for inviting me. Um, I feel honored to be here with you, Gina, as well as with Neil. Neil, I don't remember high school. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm surprised you remember it too. <laughs> um, so Gina, I think you know this. I'm I'm a first generation uh, college student, really a first generation high school uh, graduate. And so as I reflect on this question, what drew me? It really goes back to what sort of Neil said, but just different 
people. It wasn't family members, uh, really, although I have the, the best family in the world. It was other role models. So over the course of my education and career, even before I decided to go into pharmacy, I spent a lot of time working in healthcare systems. And Gina, you might not know this, but during my undergraduate years, I worked at a small facility right outside of Atlanta, Georgia, in the business office. And I was fortunate enough to work here because I had the opportunity in the small facility to touch all units of the organization from the emergency room to the long-term care facility. And in this organization, there was a pharmacist and his name was Ed. Very nice guy, so knowledgeable. And I used to talk to him about school. You know, as I come in in the business office, we were running into each other. And he was such a great ambassador for the profession of pharmacy. He would let me shadow him in the pharmacy. And I bet you the people in the business office said, like, where's Marie? Well, I was probably down there in the pharmacy with Ed. And I already knew something about pharmacy finances since I worked in the business office, but I didn't know anything about the profession of pharmacy. The degree is diversity, the niche, and the career opportunities. And I have to say that Ed did an excellent job of encouraging me to further explore pharmacy. Moreover, what Ed did was help me develop a plan. He told me if I got into pharmacy school, he would give me a job as a pharmacy technician. So that was another incentive. And I have to say, Ed delivered on his word. The minute I got into pharmacy school uh, that summer, I was in two pharmacies uh, working with Ed. But what I didn't know at the time, and honestly, what I'm most grateful for, and Neil had this in his response too, is that for me, Ed was just the first in line of many very important role models and mentors that will help guide me during my career as a pharmacist, as a leader, and as an academician. And years later, what's so nice about this podcast is that it's really full circle for me. And even this question, you know, talking about mentors early on, but later in my career, I would publish papers describing the importance of role models and mentorship in career selection and in career development. So I guess for both of us, Neil, in a nutshell, it's all about role models. Yeah. It sounds like mentorship is the key here, right? Mm-hmm. That's great to hear. And obviously you're you're taking this for your respective cohorts. And you both touched on this. So I know, uh, Neil, you mentioned kind of your early decisions being shaped by your academic advisor. And Marie, you were sharing a lot of kind of the the opportunities to shadow. But as you entered pharmacy and as you entered the profession, what were those early career aspirations? So what was in your mind and what did you think was in the plans for you within pharmacy as you were starting out? Uh, Marie, we'll start with you as I know you have some transplant experience that started your journey. It really did. And for me, sort of like what Neil said, especially at that time. Now, as I got older, I started trying to to plan more. But coming in, I was just so happy to be there. And so here we go, Neil, another Mm -hmm. connection. I started my pharmacy career at the University of Georgia College of Pharmacy as a faculty member and clinician. And I actually was one of a few UGA College of Pharmacy faculty on the Augusta University campus. I know, right? And so you could tell in Neil's excitement uh, (laughs) since we're going to claim that there. What what claim are we here? Yeah. So you know, so hey, claim it while while you can, right? So (laughs) yeah, and such a fantastic campus, and I'm I'm so glad that Neil is there helping to to run the ship. 
Now, Neil, have to say this. It wasn't called Augusta University when I was there. We won't go oh. through all the branding that yeah. has happened, but Medical College of Georgia is what I, I refer mm-hmm. to it as. And, and again, I was I had the opportunity to have some outstanding mentors, including Dr. Joseph DePiro, who you know in pharmacy, but Laura Malloy is still there and we work together all the time. She has really seen my whole entire career. And Laura Malloy is a is a transplant, renal transplant specialist, a nephrologist by training. And she's been at, I think, at the Medical College of Georgia University of Augusta University. Gosh, way before I got there, it's for a long time and she's still there, but had the opportunity to have so many great mentors, uh, including Joe and others. And I really give Joe credit for getting me interested in academic scholarship. And it's sort of like I got bit with the research bug and I found it really enjoyable to do academic projects, studies, establishing clinical services there at Medical College of Georgia Augusta University and assessing those clinical services. And that that's the key. And that's the perfect marriage between being a clinician and an academician. So going that step further, looking, implementing something and assessing the, the services. And then somewhere along the lines, I started to notice and wanted to make a difference about improving access to care and access to education, reducing health disparities, and addressing social injustices. I've made that my career mission and really the rest came naturally. I always sought out jobs that I could get a double hitter on or maybe even a triple hit that will facilitate these goals, whether it's being the founder and executive director of the medication access program, which increases medication access for transplant patients, or being the executive vice president and provost at Oregon Health and Science University. Now, I'm going to take this time and this opportunity and and, and preach for a little bit. As a healthcare professional, I believe it's all about improving the health of our patients. So Gina, you asked me about my transplant patients. So let me speak to that for about 30 seconds. My mission in working with this patient population has always been about achieving positive health outcomes. So it's not only about getting them the best medications to achieve these outcomes, but actually making sure that this the patients get and pick up the medications, take them correctly, achieve the desired outcomes, which means for us monitoring and minimizing adverse events and assuring positive effects. Then going the next step, which is exercising this perfect combination of being a clinician, a leader, an academic, by helping others outside of my organization, wherever that organization is at at the time, learning making sure other organizations learn from our efforts through our scholarship, including presentations and publications. So for me, that's the intersection, the beautiful intersection, I have to say, and the one that I have a lot of passion about, as you could tell. And that's what I've committed my my life's work to be. It's a beautiful start. And obviously a lot of a lot of passionate roots there with the patient care component, which I'm sure many of us identify with. So what, um, what I heard, uh, Gina, from Marie yeah. is that Augusta's the spiritual pharmacy <laughs> home of Marie, you know, shaped her. So we'll again we'll I'll work with the mayor and see if we can get a, a sign on her. <laughs> yeah, get a sign as you first yeah. get yes. into Richmond County. It's yes. the home of Marie Chisholm. And, and, and the masters, you know, Marie Chisholm first. That's, but it, I'm right, Marie Chisholm first. <laughs> That's good. That's good paraphrasing there, Neil. Thank you for that. <laughs> but let's focus now on your journey. I know that you have 
quite a, a different pathway and a lot of um, focus on public health and a lot of education in the field. So can you share with us your journey from early career to now? Yeah, well, I think, you know, Marie, this theme of mentorship certainly probably not a surprise, but it really, if you talk about Joe DePiro and Dr. Mallory and, and others, and, you know, I mentioned kind of previously, you know, David Zills, who, you know, interestingly, the ACT Foundation has kind of a program named after DC um, that's all about mentoring and, and residency training. So when I was completing the residency, he would do this with all the residents where he would create with each resident a career and life plan. And that was the first time I'd really been exposed to that. I think, you know, a, a lot of residency training is focused on competencies and, and clinical skills. And, you know, I had a brief rotation in transplant, nothing like, like Marie, but those skills are, are long gone. But with DZ, it wasn't, that certainly wasn't important, the clinical skills you have to have as foundational as, as a pharmacist. But it was also about, you know, how does that balance, right? with your relationships with, with your family and friends, with your recreation time and hobbies, with being a citizen and what is citizenship and giving back to your community get, I mean, your financial plan, your health plan, all that together. And it was just a different way of thinking of things. Uh, since then, I've, I've kind of taken that and now, you know, talk about the arc of life here at the University of, uh, at Augusta University, I've been here about 18 months now. I've given, given about a dozen career life planning workshops, everything from freshmen to residents in, in pharmacy and pediatric residents in, in the hospital. So that skill set has stayed with me. Uh, it was interesting, DZ did not give up on me because um, by the end of the residency program, it was clear I did not want to become a hospital pharmacy director or manager. <laughs> and so ended up having a bit of a sidebar and doing a, a PhD in fellowship at the University of Florida with an individual called Doug Hepler. And if you're a pharmacist of a certain age in this country, the names Hepler and Strand are kind of synonymous, you know, uh, with the shift in philosophy uh, that we uh, sometimes call pharmaceutical care, which really is about you know, pharmacists moving um, from just being clinically competent to taking ownership and responsibility over, over patient outcomes. And of course, you know, Hepler's a past recipient of the Whitney Award uh, with ASHP. So spending four years with him doing a PhD really helped in, in very similar to what Marie mentioned, that, that excitement of analyzing and assessing and evaluating pharmacists and what they can do in, in programs. From there, I moved back to Canada, and so was a faculty uh, member there. And and it was it's been interesting just my career to practice as a pharmacist in two different countries, very similar in many ways, you know, but very different healthcare systems, completely different. And uh, you know, Marie kind of touched on issues of access to care and health inequities and inequalities. Canada you know, has a national healthcare system, which is great in that you know. You don't have to worry about losing your job and losing insurance. There's, there's that part. And so, you know, you see your physician, there's, it's free. You go to the emergency department, it's free. You're in the hospital, it's free. But then there's the flip side of just uh, the long wait times for, for surgeries. And frankly, many Canadians don't have access to a, a primary care physician. They go to the emergency department because there just aren't enough. So kind of seeing that as well as, as a pharmacist, what was interesting. The last component I kind of just mentioned as part of that, I think Marie did the same thing in her professional walk too, is that as you kind of grow as a clinician and grow and kind of as, as a researcher, you also kind of look for other opportunities to kind of get back to the profession. So for me, it was in the sister organization of ASHP, uh, the Canadian Society of, of Hospital Pharmacists. I ended up becoming president of that. And that that builds a lot of different kind of leadership skill sets, you know, chairing meetings, understanding what are the issues from a national perspective of the profession. And so, yes, you know, I gave up my time to that, but it paid in spades as far as just building up my own skill set and 
and my confidence level on again things like leading national symposia and stuff like that. So, so I think you know again Marie and I our, our journeys are quite different. We've kind of ended almost at the same place now as provost, but it kind of shows there's not one path, right? Yes. And your mentors play a huge role uh, in shaping whichever path that is. And what a fantastic journey with the international involvement and understanding of healthcare even outside of the United States. That's um, a definitely a unique way to to go about the career. <laughs> so yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. I don't recommend to everyone. You don't have to like, leave the country, <laughs> but you know, if, you, if you want to, it, it probably helps. <laughs> That's great. Uh, noted for the audience. You do not have to leave. <laughs> so again, Neil, you, you emphasized this just now, but very, very different career pathways, at least in the beginning of the stages of, of pharmacy for you and as you transitioned. But at some point, you both transitioned into a position of dean, uh, different, obviously, universities. But for Neil, you served as the dean for the University of Cincinnati for a number of years. And then Marie, you were at the University of Tennessee as dean for a number of years. So what were the drivers that inspired you to take that next step into academic leadership through the position of the dean? We'll go with Neil first and then Marie next. Yeah. Well, for those that, you know, maybe not are as familiar with kind of how academia works, usually you would start, you know, as an assistant professor and kind of work up to associate in full. So that's so how I did that in Canada. And then my first administrative role, as you start to get more confident, you also start to perhaps get asked to expand beyond that. And so I oversaw the research enterprise for the College of Pharmacy that I was at in at the House University in Nova Scotia, Canada. But then kind of a radical moment of, you know, kind of the next usual typical leadership role that would be a department chair. And I know Marie's probably going to talk about that in her journey as well, because she kicked butt in, in that role. But for me, it was a, a little different in that as I kind of thought, you know, what's the next thing to do? My wife's originally from Arizona. Again, I did most of my, I did all my graduate training in the U.S. We were kind of thinking, you know, what about moving back to the U.S.? And so we did it in a big way. We moved from uh, Nova Scotia, Canada, which is north of Maine, so the top kind of northeast all the way over to Arizona. And not just, so not just a change in weather and culture and all that, but I also left pharmacy. And so I uh, joined as a department chair, section chair in public health at the University of Arizona. And then as part of that, also directed the Center for Rural Health. So that was, to me, if I, if I think back in, in my career, it was a huge stretch. And luckily, you know, I, I, I survived that. And hopefully folks that are listening that were part of my team uh, would think likewise. But it really hit home to me. It really opened my eyes as far as being in a completely different discipline. I was one of two pharmacists in a public health school with about 70 faculty, seeing how, and public health is very different than pharmacy, the way they see just the same issues, but just from a very different lens. And so that was just fascinating to have that experience. I was like recruiting physicians in rural Arizona, working with the 21 tribal nations in the state, dealing with rural hospitals whose you know, CEOs might be leaving or in financial distress. I mean, it was just issues that you know, were very different from what I'd been working at previously as a, as a pharmacist. And so that was fantastic. Really enjoyed that. But at the same time, started to miss pharmacy to be honest. So there's something that, you know, it's like a magnet, right? I mean, there's, and so just kind of thinking after that, you know, what's the next step? And that's what kind of led to, to the, the deanship at the University of, of Cincinnati. So again, I don't think there's, there's one linear path. As I thought about that, though, it's during that time I was in Arizona, I kept updating my career and life plan. I started with, with David Zills. And sometimes I would see him at meetings like mid-year meeting. And maybe it's just like a five minute chat, but he would say like, Neil, what's your life plan? Like what, what's going on? And again, that, that ongoing role of mentors, it's not just during your residency training or one time, it's that lifelong thing. Again, I'm really blessed to have, you know, my cousin, George McKinnon, again, who's a little bit older than me. By that point, he had progressed a little further in his career and I think was already a dean. 
And so saying, you know, Neil, it's not that bad. It's not that scary. It's actually a, a pretty cool position where you can foster a lot of change. So, so that's that's what what happened there. And so, you know, as part of that, the, the last thing I'll mention as well again is is another connection I had with Marie, where we overlapped for about four months at the University of Arizona. She was the department chair in pharmacy practice in the College of Pharmacy, which is connected to public health by a bridge. And so, I think at that time, I don't know if that was a God thing, or whatever, but I had this bridge to pharmacy, even though I was in public health. It was a literal bridge. Our buildings were connected. And for part of that, connected to Marie until, you know, I won't, I won't, I'll let her share what happened after I arrived, but at least for a while, I had a bridge to Marie as well. Wow. Marie, tell us about your yeah. side of the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is Neil came over, we talked for an hour, and, and three months later, I accepted the position at University of Tennessee. <laughs> no, it's, I, Neil is, 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 a, is a bright light and a person that I've enjoyed having in my career and I'm glad that we're taking this similar journey together. I'll quickly go through my path. As I said, I started out the University of Georgia, but on the the Augusta University, then the Medical College of Georgia campus at UGA and as well as MCG, Augusta University, I went through the traditional fact uh, track. I mean, and what many people don't know is I started out in a non-tenure track as a clinician. Uh, and that's where transplant pharmacy uh, played heavy in that particular track. Had to sort of resign, start all over, inter- go through the process, got the tenure track position, and moved from assistant to associate with tenure and full professor. And I did that at UGA. That was important for me to do that there in Georgia. Then went on to, to Arizona. No family there. Neil, I didn't, I didn't know that story about your, your wife uh, connection there. But at the University of Arizona, I was a department head for a little bit over five years and then over to University of Tennessee uh, to, to be the dean uh, there. But what I really want to focus on is the drivers. OK, and my drivers really are simple. The drivers are to make a difference, to have influence and to improve access and outcomes. I want to change the lives of students, faculty, staff, patients, and our community. And that means our external community and beyond for the better to play a pivotal role in educating the next generation of healthcare professionals. Additionally, as I said, role models is important. So speaking of which, I was the first woman in African-American to serve as Dean at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center College of Pharmacy. I also was the first woman in African-American department chair at the University of Arizona College of Pharmacy. And as you sit back and you think about that, that comes with great responsibility and honor. So it goes back to the mission that I discussed. It's about opening doors and building bridges for others. Having the opportunity to be transformational was a key driver for me. And one of the reasons why I took on the administration roles of Dean as department head and why I joined Oregon Health and Science University. As you think about, you might say, hey, Marie, you know, Oregon is, you did that East Coast thing (laughs) in New York. You might not know this. And sometimes the accent does come out in a a great way. I have a, I'm from New York, spent a lot of time in Georgia, also spent some time in Arizona, spent some time in Tennessee for about 10 years. And now I'm back on the the West Coast. Uh, Actually, I heard my husband say, last night on the phone well marie i'm getting a chance to see the country and that's that's true so so with oregon 
it's a huge academic medical center. I don't know if either of you have been out here in, in Portland, but I encourage you to come visit when, when you can. And all you have to do is look up. We're on the biggest hill and it, it is huge. To give you an ideal, it's the only only academic medical center in the state. It serves over 300 patients a year. In fact, it's the largest employer in the city of Portland. It has over 19,000 employees. We have to take a tram, not a bus, a tram up <laughs> in the air. It's like Disneyland over here from one side of the campus to the next. But, you know, just given that size and that magnitude and that scope, uh, there's so many opportunities to transform lives, including the lives of our students, faculty, staff, patients. And Neil talked about it earlier, the, the community. The community is very important. So, yeah, that's that's my path a little bit, but those are my drivers. I'm hearing uh, both of you have really spanned the north and the south and the east and the west and and really gotten as many experiences as possible. And I, I love the idea, uh, Marie, you mentioned your mission and a very specific mission that you have that uh, dictates your career. And Neil, you have your plan that you you spoke about revisiting. So it sounds like for everyone listening, whether early on in their career or later in their career, um, those are some good lessons to be learned as, as we're thinking about climbing the ladder. But we also know, and based on your journeys, it's obvious there's a lot of career diversity. There's plentiful transitions in pharmacy. And it all starts with a foundational knowledge of the pharmacy degree and the doctor of pharmacy. But then there's a lot of additional training and expertise that you both developed over the years. Let's focus more on that. Can you tell us about what steps did you take to enhance your education, move towards your mission, and really continue to increase your knowledge and opportunities? Marie, we'll start with you this time. Yeah, you know, before I get into the response to your, your question, and, and thanks for the question, by the way, you said something that made me pause. And I think, and I know Neil and I are, are very similar on this. We have talked over the years. It's very important to bring others up while you climb this ladder. Okay. And so I want to make sure that from both Neil and I, that we mention that because we both believe in that strongly. And so I, I want the audience to know how, while you're climbing, you're constantly bringing others up. So education, I speak of the mission, Neil calls it the plan, but once you get things on purpose, once you get your life on purpose, things fall into track and you look at these opportunities and these learning experiences and you just gravitate toward them. You know, it's always a good idea to have an openness to learn, whether it's pursuing additional degrees and both Neil and I have done that. He talked about working on his PhD and me with the PharmD, the MPH which came after the farm day because I was doing a lot of work that had to deal with access, whether it's access to medications, access to education, access to healthcare. And so that kind of led me in the direction of the MPH, uh, MBA, all of this to make it run. And I know the audience understands this. It's all about the finances. And so I think somebody told me this, but I think they were describing it in a marital situation. You know, without finances, things could become a, a nuisance. And so we have to keep that in mind. And then, of course, uh, my, the PhD. So whether it's getting these what I call official uh, degrees or participating in courses or development programs on a day-to-day -day function, each day I learn something. Um, and I, I make it a, 
a case to listen to to people uh, regardless of their social economic status, regardless of their position or title, because there's always something to learn. I learn from other disciplines uh, and I like learning from other disciplines. I'm curious about what's happening in in law. I'm curious about what's happening in other professions in healthcare because it all interlocks together. In particular, when you think about such issues as health disparities, inequities, social justice, and access is very intertwined. And so expanding my horizons makes me more open to challenges, but more importantly, it makes all of us more open to opportunities. And that's what it's all about. Great answer there. Thank you, Marie. Neil? Well, you know, I, it's funny how you kind of forget about that. I forgot Marie actually had an MPH. And I got to think, you know, for folks listening to this, that is a fantastic degree for any pharmacist to have. Now, I'm going to put my AU provost hat on and say, you know, we've got a great online MPH program. Look at that opportunist. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Call 1-800-NOTICE. Uh, but in all seriousness, just, of course, uh, just having been a pharmacist in a public health school as well, that is really, really powerful. When a pharmacist has an MPH, it is one of the best kind of combinations of degrees that, that I see out there. So again, a little plug for, for that. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it's interesting because as pharmacists, you know, we're trained to be lifelong learners. And I got to think, you know, I complete, completed my residency in 1995. So if basically, um, you know, if you decide to stop learning about new drugs when you complete your residency, think of how bad your, your patient care would be, right? Your, your skill set as a pharmacist. And yet I think it is unfortunate. And, and realize, you know, sometimes there are, you know, there's family issues and, and finance issues and others, but it, sometimes I think it is sad where, where many pharmacists think that their lifelong learning really extends to CE and, and that's it. Because I think there's so many other opportunities and like Marie has just exemplified in her own life beyond even the, the profession itself. So I certainly would encourage listeners to, you know, explore other degrees or even certificates if they can't do a complete degree in a different discipline to give them a different lens. Um, I had kind of just two short kind of learning things that, that I explored and, and took on outside of the profession after I was done kind of my, my graduate work and stuff. One was in 2007, eight, I completed a, a mid-career fellowship and uh, with an organization in New York called the Commonwealth Fund. They're one of the largest uh, healthcare foundations in the country. A lot of the topics that, that Marie has kind of just talked about really kind of feels in, in, in their wheelhouse as, as well. And so they have an, a one-year fellowship. They choose fellows from about 13 different developed nations each year to have this, this one-year fellowship. And so I was the only pharmacist in, in my class and I worked you know, with a pediatrician and dermatologist and people actually that even weren't health professionals. And the whole focus was international health policy. So learning, you know, for example, what, what works well in Australia and their healthcare system, Germany. I mean, just the whole year was about that. And then you're assigned a mentor. So my mentor for the year was an individual called Steve Sumerai, who's at Harvard Medical School and got to work with him for the year. So it was, again, outside of my own comfort zone, I, almost entirely the whole year, any meeting I was in, I was the only pharmacist in the room. And also outside of my comfort zone where I was learning about countries I had no expertise in and kind of understanding their healthcare systems and, and what works. So that was kind of one, and, and that continues today, even though it was a one-year experience, continues to have follow-up stuff. They actually give me their, their data every year that I've 
published and had several papers come out of that looks at their international healthcare survey. The second one is when I became a new dean at University of Cincinnati. I don't know if this was a good thing or a bad thing, but the consulting firm that kind of was involved in the Harvard University of Cincinnati said, you know, we suggest that Neil do this uh, training program for new deans at Harvard. So I ended up doing that in the summer of 2014, where I spent two weeks at Harvard. It was kind of like a two-week boot camp for, for new deans. And again, if I think of that, I was the only pharmacy dean in the class of about 100 there. And again, I think of how I was just pushed and shaped in that. There's lessons that I learned in those two weeks that I, I used as, as a provost today. So I think, you know, if, again, if you think about it, I think Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's of all places, said, you know, if you're not growing, you're going to rot. And can constantly, I think, have to push ourselves in uncomfortable spaces. And I think in many cases, I think for pharmacists listening, and that is outside of our safe spaces of pharmacy. Yes, going to meetings like ASHP mid-year and other things are, are still vitally important. And of course we need CE, but beyond that, I would really strongly encourage folks to think if you're thinking about career opportunities and educational things, really think about non-pharmacy things in particular. You both mentioned how you pushed yourselves forward to kind of make the next steps, but you also had individuals within your network, um, whether it would be professional or friends or um, other individuals within your cycle that helped you push forward. Um, and you both spent a significant time noting some leaders that helped you in those aspirations as you reached the positions that you have now as provosts. Do you maybe have advice to share with our listeners on um, how did you build those strategic relationships with people? How did you expand your network? How did they help shape who you are and develop that rapport um, so that they can help you grow in your career, but also, as Marie said, helping them elevate throughout theirs? We'll go with Neil first on that one. Yeah, well, you know, I think, and Marie did summarize it, I think we, we have actually, I would even word a little bit strong, we have an ethical duty to the oath of the pharmacist to educate the future generation, the next generation. Now, of course, those of us in higher education, that maybe is a little bit more natural, but for those that maybe are just, you know, a, a staff, a clinical pharmacist, or, you know, a pharmacy director, it doesn't matter if you're at a teaching hospital or not, that's in the oath of the pharmacist and really should be part of what we do. So creating those you know, thinking with the next generation and, and helping provide opportunities to them is, is a core responsibility that we have. Again, Marie and I have benefited so much from, from our uh, mentorship um, that we've received uh, from, from others. So I think that's, you know, a big part of it is just establishing those, being intentional. You know, for example, when I, when I was a dean, you know, spending time with my, my pharmacy students of, you know, if you're going to a meeting like mid-year, you know, it's not just about the residency showcase and things. It's about, you know, do you have a plan going into that meeting of specific people that you want to meet, specific sessions you want to attend, trying to connect with them in, in person? That is so, so valuable. And I think what's really cool now with, you know, social media, I remember a few years ago, I was back in Canada at a Kingside Hospital Pharmacist meeting, and uh, somebody I was connected with on Twitter, my handle that time was RxDMac. And he like ran, I'd never seen the guy before. He runs over to me. He's like, RxD Mac, RxD Mac. <laughs> and it was a little bit maybe creepy at first if someone like running towards you that you don't know. But but clearly, I mean, once he you know, told me his handle, I knew exactly who he was. And I think that's that's the cool part, right? Is that even now that, you know, mentorship can can happen virtually as well. So and I get, and I'm sure Marie's the same way, you get a lot of just personal satisfaction of, of just interacting with folks. I've had two other pharmacists in the last six months, uh, not not Marie, two other pharmacists that have become provosts that I've uh, met with 
and just kind of saying, you know, this is what you can expect your first week, your first month. And these are our issues I faced and, you know, hopefully you'll do well. So again, I think that's just part of who we need to be as pharmacists is, is mentoring others, helping them uh, along their way. I'm hearing intentionality too, right? So right, you're yeah, being intentional about yeah, seeking mentees, but also seeking mentors, which is also a challenge, I think. Marie, what about you? Yeah, let me, I'm, I'm going to reiterate a couple of things that Neil said, and then I'm going to push the question a, a little bit. Mentors definitely being intentional, uh, having a plan, having a, a purpose, having a mission, absolutely. And pushing the boundaries and extending your boundaries. And so I want to talk about that for a little bit, because what I find sometimes, including with myself, and so I have to remind myself, why not pharmacy? Why not a pharmacist? So in particular, in whether you're in a healthcare system, whether you're in academia, industry, you, you, you pick it, another organization, why not a pharmacist? A, a lot of times we talk ourselves out of things. Yeah, that's right. And so I'm here to help people talk themselves into things. So when I pursued this role, uh, this role has a lot to do with healthcare systems, as I explained to you a little bit ago, but it also has academics mixed into it. So it's a very unique role. Why not a pharmacist? I will dare to say now, I haven't gone back into the history of Oregon Health and Science University, but I bet you I'm the first pharmacist, okay? And why not? And we could look into the history. We probably could think of other professions that has, has really reigned in this role. But when you think about it, and this is a message to my, my all of my pharmacist friends out there. If you're thinking about, no, that's not for a pharmacist. I'm here to say, why not? Pharmacy and medications come in contact with every aspect of the healthcare system. Thus, pharmacy and medications touch all healthcare professions I don't care if it's nursing to medicine to respiratory therapy, you name it, medications is in it, right? Pharmacists are medication experts. Now just think about that for a few seconds. So what does that mean? That means that we thread the healthcare needle. And as pharmacists and as managers, we are skilled at the single most modality of treating disease, medication management. And therefore, let's push this a little bit further. And therefore, we're a critical cog in the middle of the health system wheel. So why not a pharmacist? Our pharmacy background really equips us with skills to interact, follow objective methodology. We like to ask questions. Matter of fact, people, you know, look at me. There's Marie and her questions. <laughs> uh, I'm known for the questions. And I never look, realized- look, oh, Gina, she's going to take your job next. I think that's why that's what I just <laughs> I ask the how and why questions that tends to get people all, you know, bothered. And um, I didn't realize this until I was, I had a party at my house about six years ago. And one of the the, the people at the party says, but you don't understand. You go in there, you do your presentation and you think you're done. And Marie like was playing with her phone, looking at under the table the whole time. And then she comes up with this question. You're like, dang, I didn't think about that. So those how and why questions are very important. And gaining answers to these questions, I believe, not only leads to strategic goals, but also strategies to achieve goals. And that's what it's all about. I believe being a good leader not only takes courage, empathy, and a certain skill set, 
but also the ability to ask the right questions and engage others to take ownership. And this is very important, ownership in the mission and the vision. And that's what pharmacy is all about, folks. And that's what we do as pharmacists on a day-to-day basis. So why not pharmacists? And part two of your question has to do with building strategies concerning report and what I use. Well, I think the number one strategy is caring. The old adage from Theodore Roosevelt is that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care is so true. And I try to lead with this as a centerpiece. You have to tell people how much you care. You have to tell and show people how much you care. And you have to do it consistently. They have to see it through your actions. Caring along with demonstrating courage, especially during these times, we're in different times. Being a good listener, not looking to make excuses or find blame, taking responsibility, being trustworthy and loyal and being genuine and expressing empathy are really critical to building relationships. And I said this earlier on, it is so important to lift while climbing, meaning that it's important to help others. So that's my two cents. I, w- I want to encourage people, why not pharmacy? <laughs> and always care. I love those, those two. It is so inspiring to hear both your stories and then your perspectives, um, your plans, your, your journey throughout academia, pharmacy, and beyond. It saddens me that we're nearing the conclusion of the podcast, but I do have one last question for the both of you. Marie, you, you touched on this a little bit. The pandemic has brought some swift changes in everyone's career aspirations and personal goals. I think many of us are looking introspectively and thinking about that next step. As a respected leader within our field, healthcare and academia, what are some words of wisdom that you have for colleagues who might be transitioning in their career or thinking about their path moving forward? I'll be brief. In addition to what was previously said, I want to add the significance or importance of resilience, well-being, and the power to embrace the positive. So I'll keep it simple. Resilience, well-being, and the power to embrace the positive. Love that. It is so easy to get stuck in negativity, especially now. Find the light and make it bigger. Take care of yourself and remember that life's a journey. Neil, anything to add? Yeah, well, hey, no, that's fantastic advice. And clearly there's something going on in the country now, whether it's, you know, the great resignation or certainly topic of well-being and resiliency. It's important to ASHP. You know, I know as an organization, you've spent a lot of time in that recently. You look at almost any survey of pharmacists, you've got a lot of unhappy, dissatisfied, even some pharmacists questioning, did I make the right right decision, right? So, and it's, it's sad right, to read that, especially I think, Marie and I, you know, in our former hats as deans, I mean, that's, it's really, really sad to, to read that. So, so I think, you know, if there's good to come of that, hopefully that will foster change. And I think, you know, like Marie and I have exemplified, I mean, sometimes it's changing even almost your, your profession and careers. And so, you know, I don't want anyone to leave pharmacy, but certainly don't want a mass exodus, but at the same time, even perhaps it's re-examining roles and stuff. If, again, if I think back to, to David Zills and that career and life plan, you know, a lot of it is that Marie's really touched on, you know, what are those core things really that fit with your your beliefs and your values? You know, I believe that we're all here on purpose for a purpose. And I think it's really sad when a lot of people almost kind of it's the day-to-day drudgery and never really get that, you know, what what is their purpose? Why are they here? And, and it's just, you know, is it just to make money? Is it just to 
know, what is it? And so hopefully folks that feel that there, there's a higher purpose in, in calling. And what's really cool, I think pharmacy, there are a lot of opportunities that if for some reason, if I guess my last advice would be, you know, if you're a pharmacist listening to this and you feel like you're really stuck in a rut in something, change. I mean, change is scary, but it also can be incredibly invigorating. 18 months ago when I became a provost, I was, you know, probably scared. I'm sure I'm sure I was scared, right? It has been so invigorating. I absolutely love what I'm doing. And so if I had been conservative and just kind of kept in my pharmacy circle, then I never would have experienced the blessings that have come out of this. So I think, you know, um, realizing we're all here, you know, on purpose, for a purpose, and then trying to find out what is that purpose? What does that mean to each, each one of you that, that's listening again in regards to your, your pharmacy career? Thank you both so very much. I know personally, I, I took a lot away from today's conversation. I'm, I'm sure those that are listening did too. You are extremely influential figures in our profession. And hopefully those listening took a, a few crucial pieces of advice away that will help them in their career journey. Thank you both again very much for sharing your stories. Thank you for everyone who is listening. For those in the audience, if you haven't before, I encourage you to check out ACHP's resources and Educator Essential podcasts in addition to what we just listened today and for more great content. Thank you all for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation and we'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.